You're listening to Satellite Sisters. What's a Satellite Sister? The person you call when the best thing in your life happens or the worst. The person that gets you up, gets you going, and gets you through. And every once in a while, changes your mind. This podcast is part pep talk, part weekly check-in. Like grabbing coffee with a friend. Thanks for being here. Welcome to the Satellite Sisterhood. You're listening to Satellite Sisters. It's great to be with you today. I'm Leanne Dolan. I'm the youngest sister. I'm a writer and producer, and I live in Pasadena, California, but I record in Los Angeles, California. (laughs) Those are two different places. They are. Same county, though. This is Liz Dolan. I'm the middle sister. We're back after a break. I was saying to my sisters this morning, feels like we were gone forever, though we weren't. No. Very happy to be back. How about you, Julie Dolan? Hey, this is Julie Dolan. I'm here in Dallas, Texas. Yes, I'm rested. Uh, I'm not tan. I still remain pale, as I've been my whole life. And uh, I'm an empty nester and an urban nana. And I'm so happy to be back. Yeah, we're going to get a little um, urban nana uh, conversation later, because we're going to be talking about what we did on our little spring break. And you went up to Brooklyn. So we'll be talking to you about that. But really, the big story we're covering this week, the one that broke like our, we almost stopped our vacation and started recording because (laughs) of the college admissions scandal. I mean, it's been just fantastic news. Operation Varsity (laughs) Blues, that is a story that was really designed for the Satellite Sisters, Julie. Yes. I mean, certainly I'm in admissions. I have a background in admissions and also in testing. So I've got a few things to say about it. But most importantly, uh, I hear that there are over 800 uh, uh, people involved in this uh, that were helped by this Rick Singer. So Mm -hmm. I'm hoping this story can carry us through the uh, 2020 election. That's true. I hadn't really thought. I mean, I'm we counting just, just an endless supply of celebrities and other yes. super rich people that we can just take down. So it will be fun. Yeah, I'm using Brexit to get me through 2020. I'm enjoying that story from afar, from afar. All right. We also have a couple of book recommendations. Julie, you went to see us. I mean, I'm, I did. I'm I proud have not been to a horror movie in decades. So I want to tell you what I think about that movie. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you hear that? That's all I'm going to say. Right. I'm almost we afraid. Heard okay. We heard it. We heard it. All right. Uh, that and more coming up. So, Julie, how was Brooklyn? What'd you do? Well, What'd you do there? I was I was on assignment in Brooklyn. I have two granddaughters up there: Josephine, who's four, over a little over four, and Ev- baby Evelyn, who's 11 months old. And you know, it's March in Brooklyn. Everybody was still in their puffer coats, and they're. By March, you know, people are pretty sick of their puffer coats. Yeah. In fact, the puffer coats look really t- <laughs> tired. But I actually, I have something that like a lot, a lot of grandmothers don't want to talk about this. And, uh, but I feel like it's my public duty as Urban Nana uh, to talk about that. And that is rejection because <laughs> baby Evelyn who is 11 months old. Um, well, let me just say when I was up there, when she was eight months old, she thought I was fantastic. Uh, she would come to me, we'd play. She's lively and fun and beautiful. She's everything you would want in uh, a granddaughter. I showed up when she's now 11 months old. And uh, I guess the best way to say it is she does not like me a lot. Oh, no. A lot. I mean, when I say, when I pick her up, 
she holds her breath, Leanne, you know? Oh, wow. She gets, and when she gasps for air after holding her breath for what seems like an eternity, then her little body just shakes because she's so darn mad that I am holding her. So Mm. uh, now this, this happens. Okay. And I know, I know intellectually uh, that at 11 months, this is very common for children to have what they call stranger danger. They're more aware, you know, they're more alert and they like their people. And she has her, she has three people, four people. She likes, she likes her sister. She likes her two parents and she likes her babysitter. And somehow urban Nana is showing up. She, (laughs) she wanted no part of me. Uh, and, but, you know, I tried to take it slow. I tried to take it slow. I, 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 I tried so many things like new toys. I thought that would like distract her. You tried to buy her love. Yes. Yes, Liz. Absolutely (laughs) buying her love. I employed her sister, you know, Josephine would be playing with me and we just scoot over next to Evelyn. Evelyn saw me come in. She, She would just start screaming again. And then as soon as like her mother or father picked her up, then it would stop. So it wasn't like she wasn't teething or cranky or tired. She just didn't want me to, I mean, I tried everything. I wore my softest sweaters, you know, because babies like that. I put on my sparkly necklaces, you know, because I know she likes sparkly things. Nothing, nothing. So, you know, but I think this is important that grandmothers, that you acknowledge this. I'm not there every day. She doesn't know me that well. And I just have to play the long game with Evelyn. Right. That's uh, that's what I'm doing. You know, that I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to get my feelings hurt. Okay. And have other grandmothers, if you're experiencing this, you just, it's, a, it's you know, you have their whole a lifetime. So you just take your time, you know, pick your moves. So she's not going to be always this particular about her likes and dislikes, but um, it was a new challenge for me, without a doubt. <laughs> so okay. I thought Peter didn't like you that much. <laughs> no, Peter. <laughs> well, that's truly, and I wasn't okay. going to bring that up. Okay. I mean, because he's very fond of me now. <laughs> yes. You want him over. That's what I'm saying. You have, you, you know how to play this game. You got it. Yes. You, it's gonna, a long game. You, know, you just, but it's, it's, it would be easy to get your feelings hurt and, yes. and you're so excited to see them and you only have a little time together and you want it to be perfect. Uh, but you just, you got to accept them on their terms. And by 11 months, they have terms, uh, which, which, which is pretty clear. So I'm very happy that she is a strong minded, um, individual. <laughs> that's good. Okay. Is she, can she speak yet? Is she saying no, no, no when she sees you? Cause that's gonna, that's gonna hurt. <laughs> no, she's just mainly holding her <laughs> okay. breath. Okay. Which is ironic. Cause you held your breath as a kid, didn't you? Wasn't that your trick? <laughs> no, that was, that was our oldest brother, Jim used to hold his breath and faint oh. when other people, when other people held him. Oh, I thought that was you. Okay. No, no, not me. No. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, chin up, Urban Nana. You're going to win her over. You're good at this. You're going to win her over. Long game. Yeah. Long game. Yeah. Well, on my spring vacation, I went on my writing retreat to yeah, Sonoma, yes, how California. Was that, so I won a writing residency called Writing Between the Vines, and I drove to Sonoma with a delightful stop at my friend Louise's house. Hello, uh-huh. Louise. She listens. <laughs> she listens to the show. Uh, so she lives in Northern California. Had a fantastic 24 hours there. I highly recommend Louise's place. If she ever puts it up on Yelp, you're going to want to stay there. And then uh, we went. I went to Sonoma, and I had a great book signing at this beautiful vineyard called Horse and Plow. So it wasn't even a book signing. You know why? Because they didn't have any books. They, they failed to bring What's any What's the book. matter with people? Oh. 
Yeah. That happens, Liz. I know it happens. It happens to me. Maybe it doesn't happen to other authors, but that's okay because there was a great spirit in the room. There were about a dozen satellite sisters that came. People came with their spouses and their daughters. Oh, that's so nice. And you put up those pictures on our Facebook group later. I saw those. It was like they kept asking me, how many people do you think are going to come at the vineyard? I'm like, two? I don't know. Like, you never know in those things. Yeah. And so I say we had a solid dozen plus, and we really had a delightful time there in the tasting room, and people ordered cheese plates and red wine. I mean, I, that doesn't get any better. Who needs books, Liz? No. Who needs books when you have cheese? So and I just want to thank everybody who came, and then I was able to spend four and a half days up there just writing. I'm working on a project, and that was delightful. I had never, ever done that before. Mm-hmm. Never, ever done that. Like, I, been alone. I mean, you were all alone. And I was all alone. Did it get boring? Were you, uh, or, do, or did you enjoy the peace and quiet? You know, I enjoyed the peace and quiet because I really got a lot done. I was mm-hmm. writing something that needed a big final push, and... Um, Sometimes it is hard, even though I've worked at home for years, and uh, it's hard sometimes in your own home to just put in the hours. Mm -hmm. So I enjoyed not having to cook any meals or go to any grocery stores or just really do what I wanted to do. I found I had more energy, too, Mm -hmm. at the end of the day to sort of push through. For more wine and cheese. More wine and cheese. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I enjoyed it. On the other hand, though, you're all alone on a vineyard. So it's a little scary. I mean, my vineyard was pretty close to the 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 main road there Mm -hmm. but the woman i had a lovely lunch with marcy who runs the writing residency program they have eight of these they get lots of applications i actually won on merit i was like oh great uh she said oh we have writers come out from brooklyn and they are terrified they're in like they're so isolated they're like what's happening where where?" you could you could have critters up there on the vineyard land you know some little possums moving in with you or a big raccoon you know you could have foxes yeah i'm sure there's quite a few right we had actual barn animals next door there was a like i was sad that i couldn't bring the dog but that was one of the rules but then when i got there i'm like oh there's no way because there was sheep and goat right next to me they had free-range chickens just running all over the yard that she would have been a pain in the neck. So it was a fantastic trip. I want to thank everybody who came uh, and to support me and just have fun. It was fun to meet Satellite Sisters in that part of the world. And it was it was delightful. Yeah, it was delightful. And it thank was... you for the gift bag that you brought back to me. One yes. of your visitors, yes. Julie, put together a gift bag for Hooper. For Hooper. So a whole bag oh, of dog nice. treats yeah. and things. So, yeah. so that was super nice. Yeah. Thank you. No, again, we have nice people. And it was fantastic that they came. So it was just really good. It seems like it was a million years ago. Because yeah. Then I had to do the International Women of Courage Awards, which I talked about on the Madam Secretary um, recap, but that was a lot too. But I'm back. I'm back. Good to be back. <laughs> We're okay, happy well, to have you, Leanne. Well, We're I... looking forward to seeing your writing at some point. Yes, yes. sure. <laughs> Whenever you're ready to tell us sure. what it is. Uh-huh. Just, sure, will do. You can tell us. People, mm-hmm. people are waiting uh, for the big announcement. Okay, so I was, uh, over our spring break, I went up to Oregon, had a lot of fun. My goals, I had two goals. Uh, one was to get some skiing in, and one is to finish my tax prep. So the skiing... Liz, you're so goal-oriented. Good for you. Well, the skiing, I'm happy to report, got done. I posted a picture on Instagram. Monica and I were there at the same time. We had a gorgeous bluebird day on Mount Bachelor in Bend, Oregon. It was delightful. The tax prep, you know, I don't know why it's so... 
intimidating or like it, it is just I put together a whole bunch of documents and carried them with me all the way to Bend, Oregon, mm-hmm. you know, expecting that, OK, I'm on vacation. I got a couple of days off. You can organize things. You can do it. And then I just kept not doing it and not doing it and not doing uh-huh. it. So then I read. Well, they are taxes. I mean, it makes sense that you don't want to do them. Yeah. I know. But it's just, I don't know. It's its not that hard to do anymore. So it's I have not. an accountant. It's not like I have to get out my green eye shade and a, you know, calculator. <laughs> I just need to assemble the documents, Julie. So then I got home and I saw this story in the New York Times, uh, Monday, March 25th, why you procrastinate and how to break the habit. And it's very complicated. It's very deep what they're saying. But here is the actual conclusion is that you don't procrastinate out of laziness, uh, which I thought that was bad enough. You procrastinate out of self-doubt, low self-esteem, anxiety or insecurity, which actually kind of bummed me out, you know. So you, <laughs> so, <laughs> so you, you don't want to do the thing because you think you will be bad at it. I guess that right. makes sense. You're right. afraid. You're afraid. You're afraid of it. Of you're it. fearful. Yeah. 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 So you don't what, have that. That's not the reason no, you're procrastinating. No, no, not when it comes to my taxes. I am not like self-doubt, low self-esteem. I guess I don't really want to face the truth of some of these things or it's just whatever. Um, but, you know, I had statements. I have 1099s. But once I read that procrastination was about self-doubt, low self-esteem, anxiety or insecurity, I was like, Okay, well, those do not apply to me when it comes to my taxes, so I am just going to get this done. <laughs> I would have been happy to cop to laziness. Laziness I fully embrace, but self-doubt, low self-esteem, anxiety, or insecurity, not embracing those. So on Monday, I got all the tax prep done. I upload. I don't know. Now you can just upload it to your accountant. You don't even need to go to no. Kinko's, which doesn't exist anymore, and <laughs> make all the copies. That was the worst. <laughs> scan everything. You have no. quite a few references here. The green <laughs> eye shade. I don't think those exist anymore either, Liz. I know. But the, uh, yeah. So anyway, so that's my thing. I would have been fine with procrastination if it was about laziness. I am not fine if it's about uh, low self-esteem and insecurity. So it really got me, got me going. <laughs> you know, Liz, there was a story in the news uh, today, I guess, that broke last night. Speaking of laziness, insecurity, and anxiety, okay, yeah. you know NASA announced this historic all-female spacewalk. Historic, right? and people. I was, been, I was so, I'm so looking forward to it. Yeah, people have been posting it all over their Facebook yes. page, Women's History Month. We're for that. It's going to be fantastic. Yesterday, they had to cancel it. You know why? No, because they didn't have two spacesuits in the right size for the oh. female astronauts. After all these possible? years, after how, how is, is that possible? How? I mean, they have like checklists on checklists on checklists. So that's all they do is plan these uh, missions. And they like, spend years planning planning the missions. Yeah. No, she needs a medium. Okay. <laughs> like every woman in America needs a medium, and there's only extra smalls or whatever. You yeah. know. Like, come on, NASA. Didn't you see hidden figures? <laughs> Get it together. <laughs> Yeah. And by the way, the extra small, that's basically a men's size, right? That's an extra small man that they figure, well, that will just fit all women. We want our own (laughs) spacesuits. We want our own everything, frankly. That should be be on the presidential platform. (laughs) Spacesuits for women. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to send us to space, which you should be doing spacesuits, duh, 
Yeah. In every size. What? Okay. Well, they're You're trying right. to clear it up by saying, "Well, safety first, and you know, it's she's really she needs the right size spacesuit." Well, blah, blah, yeah, we're not like, disputing that. <laughs> <laughs> we're disputing not having the right size. <laughs> After all these years, you know how they always say, well, there's only one woman at a time allowed to do this or that. And like this is like perfect proof. Not only is there one woman, we're only going to make a suit for one woman because we're never going to have more than one woman at a time doing this. The the rest of them, they'll all be guys forever. Uh, We'll occasionally send up a woman. Okay, I feel sorry for the person that had to announce that, though. Stephanie Sherholtz. See, Stephanie, they of course, they send out a woman to take a beating on this issue. Right. Yeah, so I'm that's sure it. Stephanie's been in plenty of situations herself where they didn't have something in her size. <laughs> it just, it just seemed, it seemed like the perfect metaphor for something at this time <laughs> in our life that you're yeah. all ready to go. Oh, but they don't have a size medium. I mean, these, these astronauts have been working for decades I to know. get here. I know that's they have. That's it's, it's impossible to believe. It is. It is. All right. Okay. When we come back, we're going to be talking about Operation Varsity Blues, the college scandal. We can't wait to get Cannot into it wait. as requested on oh. the Facebook page. But first, we'd like to thank a couple of sponsors. Okay, we're back. Boy, this is something, this story, Operation Varsity Blues. I feel like we should have special theme music yeah, because well. <laughs> we're going to be coming to, back to this story a lot. Okay, so this is the college admission scandal that broke a couple of weeks ago. And it is now a sweeping investigation into literally hundreds of people, dozens of college coaches, celebrities, high-powered lawyers and hedge fund owners and people who have bribed, cheated, and lied their way into their own children's college admissions. Yes. I mean, this is a crazy story, and it all centers around this uh, alleged college advisor, a guy named Rick Singer, in Newport Beach, California. And Mm -hmm. since 2011... Just down the road from here. Since Mm -hmm. 2011, he has been paying off college coaches, paying off test takers fabricating resumes and then once he got caught he wore a wire to throw all his clients under the bus so Rick, unbelievable he's man- he has pled guilty Liam. yeah so he is he's cooperating yeah right? he's managed to get kids into a elite- cooperating witness there's another yes. job opening at <laughs> we have a lot of those lately <laughs> yeah. So he managed to get kids into elite schools like UCLA, USC, Stanford, Yale, Georgetown, using some of the craziest methods ever. And here's the thing that really bothered me. He accepted all the payments that made them all through a fake charity so that these wealthy parents could actually deduct the donations from their really? income tax. I didn't even know that detail. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh, That's the thing that really made me mad. Yeah. You know, I mean, on top of everything, on top of everything else that you could deduct it. Oh, please. Of course, it includes a couple of Hollywood celebrities, uh, Lori McLaughlin, Aunt Becky from (laughs) Full House. And I think she's in every Hallmark movie (laughs) and every television show channel must just be. They must, they're devastated. I think this is about half their schedule is is Lori McLaughlin centered, and now she's gone. Also, I feel bad because she's on all those Cindy Crawford infomercials. <laughs> she you know? is. Oh, for her face, yeah, oh, product, no, yeah. Okay. So they're oh. very good friends. So that must be awkward. And then <laughs> Felicity Huffman. I mean, I know. 
They seemed like such a nice couple. She not and William really, H. Macy. Not really no? to me, but like this, this is this seems really beneath almost everybody. I don't understand. Why can't you just use your celebrity to get them in anyway? Yes. But it seemed, that's what I couldn't understand. It yeah. seems to me if William Macy and Felicity Hoffman are sitting in the waiting room of the admissions offices at, at pretty much any college, that would create such a buzz and such a frenzy. Uh, that yeah. it might it might really help their kids, but apparently that's not enough chose... privilege, Julie. They need even more. Can I just right. say, as a little bit of setup, that you two are uniquely qualified to dissect this story because not only Julie, you've had a career in admissions, but yeah, Leah, right. you did a podcast called College Bound Chronicles about how to get into how to college. get into college. You did not color cover bribery. At no, all. <laughs> but no. that is still didn't a very... know it was, this was an option. Yeah, yeah. It's still a very yeah. solid podcast. Parents could listen to. Right. Yeah. Anyway, with, you with... both know a lot about right. this. Right. All right, so Julie, you worked at a couple of these schools. Why don't we start with you? And then, I mean, I know the couple of things that really excited and 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 annoyed me. But w- what about you? What are you thinking about? Well, this? I mean, my my big point is I think we can thank Rick S- Singer because he has shown how rotten the college admissions, the state of college admissions. You know, he created this back door, this side door, he called it. But what he did is exploit a system. That's that's basically rotten. And uh, let's let's take it, you know, sort of step by step. I was actually shocked that he was paying off ten thousand dollar bribes to test proctors. That's how for some of his clients, he boosted their scores by having either the test proctor change the the scores to uh, the the answer sheet to the correct answers, or he had this other Harvard grad who happened to be just really good at taking standardized tests that would show up at these testing centers and take the test for one of these um, privileged students. And I was surprised it was only $10,000 because that probably indicates that there are a lot more cheaters out there. Right. Really? Yeah. I mean, well, it just, I mean, it just, this is a worldwide test. These SATs, the ACTs, and ETS does a lot for, you know, they've cracked down on a lot of security. But the fact that proctors are able to manipulate the test so much or that they would be able to have someone else come in and take the test for it, I mean, that they got a lot more work to do. There's a lot do you more think people ETS, around. Julie, do you think ETS knows this is going on but just didn't want to admit it because they don't know how to I, fix I it? I don't know. They have been silent on it. I, they haven't said anything on it, but they definitely, I saw that they were going to require more photo IDs. I was like, well, you don't do that already. You know, I, I so it's, and that they're proctors, how they, they have thousands of these proctors at all these testing centers all over the world, you know, uh, and Rick Singer just found a couple. If he could find two, he probably could find more. And other people are going to try to replicate that. So that is a big problem, Mm -hmm. test security. Um, And so the next is those doctors that were providing fake learning disability prescriptions. Now, uh, you know, for students that have legitimate learning disabilities. This is, you know, this is a very good thing that you get extra time to take the standardized test and and you should do that. But these doctors that were writing these these, you know, prescriptions so that they could get ex- excused and have extra time, they should all be locked up. I mm-hmm. hope charges are brought against them. And you know, a lot of times now it's as simple as saying, you know, my child has anxiety. anxiety. 
and so if you get a doctor that will just say, okay, you, your child has anxiety, you know, well, a lot of people have anxiety when they have to take that SAT. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. Um, Can I just say, I'm not sure that more time would have solved my problem, (laughs) (laughs) but okay. The more time they just needed that to help the cheaters because they had to correct they had to correct their answer sheets or oh, oh. or this or the fake test taker um, had to do that. So I, I first of all, so and then let's talk about the admissions. What surprised me again was that I think there are more people at these institutions at at USC, at UCLA, Wake Forest, University of Texas, Georgetown, Yale that must have known about this because. It's, you know, these slots at highly selective schools are precious, you know, and that it is, I work for a number of private schools and when you have like a special, what they call a special admit, let's say the president has, you know, office contacts you and say, we have, you know, a big donor's child who is going to be applying and, you know, we want you to, you know, take extra, you know, care and attention with this application and blah, blah, blah. You know, that there are a lot of people involved in that. The president's office is involved in that. Maybe the provost, maybe the dean of an individual school. The fact that these tennis coaches or water polo coaches had total control over a an admission slot surprises me because mm-hmm. I think, I mean, somebody was looking the other way, the athletic director or the admissions directors, that they weren't verifying all, you know, as an admissions person, you are constantly verifying the credentials that you're looking at. And if you've been doing it for a number of years, for example, you're even if you're not an expert in tennis or water polo or crew, you would begin to recognize various, you know, co- you know, similar backgrounds. Like you know certain rowing clubs, or you know awards that go to outstanding rowers, or you know awards that go to outstanding tennis players or water polo players. And so, if you saw these in these fake resumes, and you know, in the case of the celebrity children, they were they made up the name of the rowing club they were rowing on. <laughs> yeah. That's, Plus, I mean, I so, had a son who was a recruited Division One athlete. You have video now. Yeah. Like yeah. I, I didn't even, like you. They all post their own videos. Like not that's, the photoshopped photos. No. I, I like I didn't even understand. And 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 every program he encountered, it was a lot tougher than this. You couldn't just do that. Although. You know, although, again, this they have these recruited walk-ons, which is that's not a scholarship thing. You know, there's some flexibility there. And now I look around and I hear a couple of kids that got, like, recruited to do this at SC. And I'm like, oh, yeah, now I know how they <laughs> made that team because I just yeah. didn't think they were good enough athletes to make the team. So, yeah, I, I know, was I surprised for, I that they business. could exploit yeah. the, the athletic thing as badly as they did because really video is the story. Mm-hmm. Every kid comes with a recruiting tape. You know, yeah, I, that that so that's what I mean. I think there there are a lot more piece that pieces. You know, more people should face more scrutiny for yeah. this. I mean, everyone I ever worked with in admissions, they were very serious. They were professionals. They tried to do a very good job selecting candidates. But at these top schools, you don't have a lot of time to. You know, you were reading twenty, thirty folders a day of different students, and you're going through this you know, very quickly making the best judgments you can. 
And I don't think it's a good system. And I think that's what that's what this exposed, you know, that that students are, you know, are able to bribe and cheat their way into these universities, you know, that, you know, that too many slots are going to legacy people, you know, and I think schools are trying to have a diverse class. And that's why they have admissions professionals applying their judgment to pick and choose. But when you have, when you're out at Stanford or a UCLA or, you know, a USC, which is very difficult to get into, I mean, you could fill your class multiple times over with qualified people that right. could come mm-hmm. to your institution. They have the grades, the test scores, you know, the ambition to be successful at your institution. So it does come down to this sort of weird personal taste or judgment of, you know, an admissions officer or of a athletic director, you know, and that that does not seem fair to me at all, you know, and I think this that's what this Operation Varsity Blues has really exposed is how unfair it is uh, to get into these schools. I mean, we talked earlier this year about the case going on at Harvard, where a group of Asian Americans are suing Harvard for racial discrimination. And Harvard had to talk about specifically what they're, you know, selecting for. And, you know, they were using words like we want to select effervescent students or students mm-hmm. with grit. I mean, what is that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? Really? Although I was, I was really struck by like, just how illegal all this stuff was because mm-hmm. a yeah. lot of people were, oh, hasn't this been going on for years? Just donate a building. Well, sure. And then that's 100% legal. You can donate a building. And yes, this has all been going on and for years. And your name years. is on it and but everybody knows it's happening. these were committing crimes yeah. knowingly. Yeah. You know, it yeah. was fraud. It was paying off people. And you, you know, once Rick Singer started wearing a wire, you could see they were saying things like, oh, I hope my child doesn't find out. And we're not going to get caught, are we? And they were partners in white shoe law firms. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that is what really struck me. So, yeah, yeah, like college admissions has never been fair and it's probably never going to be fair. And it's probably never going to be fair because people want a good football team Mm -hmm. and they don't really care what the SAT scores are for the wide receiver. They Mm -hmm. do not care. They're very happy to have a great wide receiver and then someone else over here who's killing it in math, you know, but it doesn't need to be the same person. But this here's here's the thing. I think a lot of private institutions, uh, you know, they have always gotten away. Well, hey, we're Yale. You know, we're Stanford. You know, we 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 have our own mission. We have to be, you know, responsive to our alumni, et cetera, et cetera. Hey, these, all of these institutions accept federal funds in the form of financial aid. Right. So my point is like, we all have a say in this, uh, who goes to Harvard and who goes to Yale mm-hmm. and Stanford and Georgetown, because we're paying for it in our tax dollars, you know, and that right now there's one and a half trillion dollars in defaulted student loans that again, we're going to have to pay for. So we have, we have a right to step up and say, Hey, we don't like the way you're operating. And because, you know, you're, you're taking federal funds, you really need to change the basic way that you select people. I have a solution, sister. You do? Okay. You know, All right. I, I worked it up over Try spring us. break. Okay. <laughs> and I think this would actually be more equitable and possibly achieve more diversity than the current system. I say establish at these elite schools some grade point average, test, a standardized test score, and then after that, have a lottery. And just, just throw all just, the names in a hat 
and, pull, and have some national lottery for all the elite spots and pick out names that way. I think it would be more fair. Leanne, you tell me, but every high school parent, when you ask them, how's the, uh, you know, how's the college admissions going? What did the, what's the one thing they say? They say, uh, it's a crapshoot. Yeah. I don't know. Right. Yeah, don't they? Doesn't true. everyone use that term? Right. <laughs> yeah. It's a crapshoot. So I say, let's make it a crapshoot. Okay. <laughs> Just make it a lottery. I think it would be fair. Yeah, but then you would literally have to punt on your football team and you're this and you're that. Like, if there are no special admissions, there are no, yeah, there are no, no legacies. There's no. no March Madness. I mean, honestly, you know, well, be, you might everyone have, has okay. to be on board. See, now you're starting. Everyone has to no, be on board. I'm on with board. This. I'm on board. I, I mean, that's the corruption of student athletes. That's a whole right. other thing. Right. I'm yeah. just Believe talking me. about. Okay. Tell it to Michael Avenatti. Yeah, yes, exactly. So. I mean, don't get me started on the NCAA. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's why it is just it's first of all, some of this just makes me mad because there are more than 10 great schools in the world. So people need to look beyond like the top 25 Mm -hmm. list. And even that is a corrupt system, the way they rate these colleges and things like that. Colleges know how to play off those rankings. There are lots of wonderful schools out there that no one's ever heard of that would be great places for your student. I would love to have them, and you can get them in without paying off one darn Mm -hmm. dime. Mm -hmm. Some of them, Lori McLaughlin, don't even need SAT scores. So, (laughs) like, there are plenty of colleges now where you don't even have to submit standardized test scores if if you don't want to. Yeah, I mean, I wish a lottery would be fair, but believe me, just you think alumni think that's an awesome idea. They're not going to think that's an awesome mm-hmm. idea. They want well, the again, slots for their kids. Well, again, I think those days kids. of like the alumni, that's over. Yeah. I mean, it's it's now a, it needs to be in the public square because the public is paying for all these all these schools through student loans. Okay, you know what? I, I know this is a super serious thing, but the parts I'm enjoying are just the takedowns of highly prominent people it is <laughs> fantastic it's i mean it's really been good i yeah. know i know that i'm the person that said i don't believe in schadenfreude right you should right. never take pleasure out of like bad things happening to other people but i'm taking some pleasure here i i will admit yeah i almost feel bad for these kids who didn't know right although i question whether they really didn't know so that's mm-hmm. you know some of these kids, I feel I feel a little bit bad for them. Now their admissions are getting rescinded. Like USC has put a hold on all these transcripts, which means even if you've been at USC for three years, you'll have no record on it. They won't forward a transcript to another college. Oh, really? So yeah, and that as as they should. But uh, you know, there's some sketchy things. So I almost feel sorry for these kids. But then on the other hand, I think if you really never studied and you have terrible grades and you're this and that, how do you think you got into USC? I know. Like you don't even want to go there and somehow you got in when like the top kid in your class didn't get in hmm. how, how do you think you got in so i don't know these kids are pretty smart but uh, well special shout out to the department of justice here on branding i gotta say i have, I have no particular <laughs> like knowledge of any of the rest of this but operation varsity blues come on starring james vanderbeek yeah that's an excellent thing that's an excellent code name don't you think julie I do. I, I really love that. So, yeah, I had forgotten it was a movie. <laughs> yeah, if you, if, you know, who's done a great job covering this because so many of the evil parents were from Los Angeles is the L.A. Times. We'll mm-hmm. put a okay. link in our show notes to the actual special section. They're running about 20 articles a day. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. That's good. And one of the well, pieces I'm most interested in are these elite high schools because if you have a very weak student that's getting into Georgetown, Like some of them were actually the whistleblowers to the FBI. A couple of these elite high schools, it was the college counselor going, 
This that is that not kid right. Doesn't How did that grow? happen? Yes. Yeah. But some we of, don't have a water polo team. Right. So, but some of them are, are must be complicit in some way. That's what I mean. Like, this system starts so early. This rotten system of yeah. pressure on kids and identifying only these top 20 schools. And it's, you know, and this is what we're going to force our kids to do. And high schools around here that charge Yeah, and 50, the fake 000. internships. Yeah. And, you know, then, yeah. you know, having other, you know, believe me, other people are writing college essays. That's oh, a whole, that, yes. Know, that's, that's a whole fake business, for too. For sure. So that's what I mean. The yeah. lottery, not such a bad idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Throw your name I, in a hat. I'd like to see some of these high schools answer for their behavior, too, because I think the pressure starts there. It's the one thing they tell you to go around to tours to high schools here, and they're like, you know, the first things out of their mouth are we got one-third of our class into Ivy League schools last year. Mm-hmm. I remember we went to one fancy prep school, and that struck me as like, I don't—that's not why I'm sending my child to high school. So it was a turnoff to me, but for other parents— they expect that return on investment, you yeah. know, yeah. if they're applying. So I can't wait to see some of these high schools go down. I'm <laughs> just, just enjoying it. But I well, do... it is. Um, Rick Singer had over 800 clients. Oh. So I, I feel like this is going to be the gift that keeps on giving. It sisters, is. Okay? It is. All right. We're going to keep our eye on it. We're going to keep our eye on it. All right. Uh, when we come back, we have a couple of recommendations here uh, in the major, sisters. major book recommendation oh, well, right? yeah. that I cannot miss. Yeah. That I got from you, Leah. Yes. And now we're just passing along. Yes, we are. All right. But first, we have to thank a couple sponsors. So stay tuned. Okay, Leah, I want to thank you for a book recommendation you sent around to us over our spring break. Mm-hmm. Uh, an audio book that you listened to as you were driving to your writer's retreat in Northern California, right? Yes. And the name of this book is Say Nothing, A True Story of Murder and Memory in Northern Ireland. And you said in your text to me, like, the first third reads like a mystery novel, yes. right? And, huh. that, and it is just it, this. So I downloaded it. Not only did I listen to it all the way through— it was so fascinating, Julie, that after I finished it, I went back and listened to the first half again. Because you did. Wow. It's, the, it's a long history of the Troubles in Northern Ireland, but told in this very personal way because they have so many stories of individuals that were caught up in it. The story starts with Jean McConville. She was a 38-year-old mom. She had 10 kids, and she got dragged away from her home in Belfast by the IRA. And but they never really knew what happened to her until many, many years later. And by the end of the book, you start to find out what did actually happen to her. But the author, Patrick Radden Keefe, uses that story to kind of set off the telling of the tale of all of the violence in Northern Ireland during this time. And you forget, I mean, we were growing up then. This was all like 70s, 80s, 90s kind of stuff, that there was a full-on guerrilla war going on in Northern Ireland and London as a result of this with bombings and murders and kidnappings. And so, like, I, I think I only had a vague recollection of some of these bigger moments. Anyway... It's an amazingly well-told tale, and here's the key. I was so glad, Liam, that you recommended the audio book. The audio book. Because the narrator, (laughs) whose name we have looked up, Matthew Blaney, he's this Northern Irish actor, Julie, 
who Ooh, so he's got an Irish accent. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I'm Northern in. Irish. I'm in. Yes, sign me up. Uh, yeah, a very specific accent to the region, but very easy to understand. Right. Not a difficult accent. But like the whole time I was listening, I didn't know anything about the author. So I, I thought maybe this guy was the author. So I'm slowly falling in love with that narrator, <laughs> who then I find out at the end is not the author. The author, Patrick Radden Keefe, is a New Yorker staff writer who grew up in New England. And Leanne, you knew all of that, right, when you recommended it. But I just fell for the, oh, tell me more aspect of listening to this gorgeous audio. Yeah. I mean, it's an astonishing story. And I don't want to give too much away. But I have to say, if you look at the world today and you look at the rise of particularly these white national terrorists Mm -hmm. and you're wondering how could that happen, this history is so immersive and based on a lot of first-person oral histories that you actually feel people being radicalized over the first half of the book. Yes. Like you can see huh. how this happens, how they organize. Like the IRA, I always thought was sort of a ragtag group of terrorists. But no, this was a like highly disciplined army, mm-hmm. you know, with very specific duties carrying out missions. I mean, it has a lot of chilling implications today. Yes. Like you can look at places all over the world and go, oh, that is that is yes. happening now. What happened mm-hmm. in Belfast then for the same reasons with all the bad mistakes on both, you know, uh, they're, they're the terrorists. There's the loyalists who also have their own paramilitary groups. There's the British government. There's, you know, long term uh, bad blood between the Irish and the British that is a thousand years old. It, it has chilling implications. Yeah, because so much of it is about how you fight an insurgency. Right. And so that's in the headlines every yeah. day. It's part of why Brexit is so complicated, because they don't want to put the walls up again in Ireland. And you listen to this book and you can understand. But, Leon, as I was listening, I was thinking, I mean, we grew up in New England. Right. And, Julie, you too. Like in an Irish Catholic, Irish Catholic family in New England. Do you think it's particularly interesting to us because we understand the culture a little bit? Because... I, I like there's that, but for for me that was a small part of it. It's yes. just so fascinating on so many other right. other levels. Right. Well, it is told through the story you told the story of Jean McConville, the mother. But yes. the other woman they por- portray is one of two sisters who was the first foot soldier in the IRA. And Dolores Price. Dolores Price. So it is a narrative that is driven by the involvement of two women. Yes. So and and there's a. Maggie Thatcher makes a big appearance in that. There's all there's interesting oh. mothers and aunts. There's even a character, Julie. If you think like, oh, terrorists don't look like me, there's a character. She's real. Her name is Granny Dolan. <laughs> Granny, okay. Granny Dolan, an original IRA member. Yes. Like, so it, that I'm certainly glad I didn't choose Granny as, as my yeah. grandmother name. <laughs> I just drove off the road when they slipped that in. So. I think it is interesting to us, but I also think because of the news lately, it just has much larger implications. So, and Mm -hmm. and it's incredibly well researched and well written. Yes, this is a this is narrative nonfiction, so you feel like you are in the middle of the story. Yeah, really, really great. I mean, part of the reason I went back and re-listened to the first half is because some of the characters on the first half, like the the people running the IRA, like. Jerry Adams, obviously, yes. he's gone on to like run the country now. And you're like, wait a minute, really? That like his tra- trajectory is pretty amazing. Totally, 
totally fascinating. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, these two sisters who were hunger strikers. I remember Bobby Sands dying in the hunger strike, and there were actually 10 men that died in the hunger strike. But these Price sisters were uh, also hunger strikers. It's just a fascinating tale on every level and told by someone who, in my imagination, is, <laughs> is my new boyfriend. It's Colin okay, so pick, go with the audio book rather than the print version. Okay. Well, I think either would be great. The print version apparently has all the notes. Yeah. So oh. that are extensive. Like some of, um, so you get a little bit behind the scenes. So uh, I actually thought I might buy the print version now that I've listened to the audio version. Because yeah. that's how compelling the story is. We don't okay. want to give well, a lot of that's a good away. recommendation. And yeah. it's, oh, by the way, not that you should wait for this, it's already been optioned for television by Nina Jacobson, who I interviewed two episodes ago on Safe for Work. <laughs> yeah. So it all comes full circle. As I was listening, knowing it had already been optioned for television, it's like there are so many parts of this story that could be their own like TV tale. Yeah. Like yeah. the, do you focus just on the Price Sisters? Do you just focus on the McConville kids? I mean, 10 kids getting orphaned and what happened to them? That was incredibly fascinating. Anyway, so it's called Say Nothing. We'll put a link uh, in the show notes. And we still get our deal at um, Audible. At Audible, so, right. So, you know, we'll put a link there. I think you get your first book free or right. something. Audible.com slash sisters, sisters. Mm-hmm. if you wanted to check it out. We, che- we, che- we didn't know. We checked out the link before. <laughs> For the show, but uh, yeah, it's a it's a compelling tale. It's a compelling narrative nonfiction. Mm-hmm. So okay, all right, there you all go. right, good. Well, Leanne, you know, I told you at the beginning of the podcast that I went to see Us. This is Jordan Peele's new movie that opened this weekend. New horror flick starring Lupita Nyong'o and Winston Duke. And first of all, I, as a disclaimer, I have not been to a horror movie in decades. Like I, I just don't choose that genre of movie. I, I don't enjoy being scared. I don't know. Have, do you, girl? I, do don't, you I don't either. I never go to them. No. Remember when you took me to Jaws when I was nine and it <laughs> terrified me? Yeah. Thanks so much. Mom and dad were out of town. Y'all thought, oh, let's go to Jaws. See that nice film. It's the last <laughs> horror movie I went to. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. Dick and I, uh, brother Dick and I took you to that. Yes, okay. That Great good choice for a nine-year-old who lived on the water in New England. Good choice. <laughs> Little Ian, I know. Sorry about that. But the reviews for this movie are so outstanding. That's yes. what compelled me. I, it's just getting great reviews. You know, it's supposed to be a different kind of horror movie. It, you know, has multiple messages and all of that. So uh, I, my husband and I went to see it. Here's the thing. I, I you know, I had a very open mind about it. I actually was not scared or terrified in this movie. But what this movie has is just so much violence, okay? There is so much killing. It is the story of a middle-class American family of four. Um, And Lupita Nyong'o is the mother. Winston Duke's the father. They have have a, a son and a daughter. And they're going to, you know, they're going to on a summer vacation. And, but there is so much violence. So, so much, you know, like, I don't I, I don't want to give away the story, but it's very, very graphic violence by all the family members. And you know what? I I just couldn't get past the violence. I, I just I, I mean, I understand there are bigger themes in this movie, but I was so maybe it was this week. Maybe it was the terrible news about the Parkland students yeah. that had committed suicide. Know. You know, yeah. I just I don't want to fill my head with 
with uh with you know with violence that kind of violent I, I, imagery you know, after the New Zealand shootings. Right. And, yeah. I mean that yeah the terrible mm-hmm. news in New Zealand. You know I I just that I I maybe this is a great work of art, but somebody needs to say hey. Maybe it's just too much killing. Maybe maybe that's not right. I don't know. So that's that's my review of it. I, I just, you know, I, I mean, maybe... Isn't I that the genre, it, though? Isn't it the genre? Yeah. I mean, there's called slasher films for a reason and things like that. But yeah, that's a legit... I think that's a legit takeaway. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, super violent movies are not that appealing to me. And you say that a lot, Julie. So yeah. that's your threshold. Right. You know, there are lots of other just action films that you've said are too violent. No, I, like, right. It's, it's not specific to that. But yeah. I, but when they hold this up as like, this is so great. You have to see this movie because of the themes, you know, and, you know, it's really a breakthrough. Well, you should also say it's like, you know, it's like children killing children. You know, it's a terrible movie that yeah. way. So I, that's okay. Okay. All right. That's so it. you, so that's, so, so that's then you cleanse your palate by going to see Frozen. <laughs> well, we did have to watch another movie. We watched the <laughs> Melissa Mark McCarthy movie when we came home. We did. We just had to cleanse ourselves after that. But I do want to talk to you about the musical Frozen, because I, while I was in uh, Brooklyn, I, uh, my husband and I took our granddaughter, Josephine, to go see the musical Frozen. And can I just, well, first of all, you just can't beat Broadway, okay? And I, you might not think as an adult with uh, that, you know, where you don't have children that you would enjoy this, but I am telling you the leads in this move, uh, in this musical that play the parts of Anna and Elsa, Patty Marin and Casey Levy. They just sing and dance and knock your socks off. I I mean, they are so great. In the playbill that they give you for the musical Frozen, there is a special notice that says, (laughs) on a special piece of paper, it says, please do not sing along with the cast. You know, because we all know these songs so well because of the very successful movie Frozen, but this really works well as a musical play as well. I mean, the numbers are great, the staging, the acting. It's starting its national tour in November 2019. So if you have a chance to go see Frozen, don't worry if you don't have a little one to take with you. Just go and enjoy it, but just don't sing along. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Thank you, Okay. All right. All right, we would like to thank our sponsors for this week's show. We'd like to thank ZipRecruiter, Ritual, Third Love, and Brooklinen. Thank you so much for supporting Satellite Sisters. And thanks, Satellite Sisterhood, for supporting the people that support us. We really Mm -hmm. appreciate that. Mm -hmm. We'd like to thank our engineer, Sergio Enriquez. Thank you, Sergio. Hope you had a good spring break. Now it's back to work. We want to remind everyone that we have our book club oh, coming yeah. up. We have duped the author. Uh, the author will be in on April 9th. April 9th. Right. right. So, Julie, you finished this. So, Abby I Ellen. Loved it. Right? I loved it. Okay. I, it was a fascinating read. I can't wait to talk to her. Okay. Yeah. It's all about being duped by yeah. the man you think you love. So, we're looking forward to talking. I know we have a bunch of guests coming in mm-hmm. the next couple of weeks. So, uh, that will be fun to talk to her about that. Duped is the pick. And then uh, anything else on your to-do list? Liz, what do you got? Well, speaking of books, once you told me that 
Patrick Radden Keefe, the author of yeah. my new favorite book, Say Nothing, who I understand he was not the narrator. He's yeah. just an American. Uh, but he's going to be here at the L.A. Times Festival of Books. So I think I will be buying some tickets to the L.A. Times <laughs> Festival of Books. It's on the USC campus April 13th and 14th. And like we've always gone before, it's just this is a fantastic book event if you're in the region. So that's coming up. I think I need to pick up a few tickets. Right, good. Mm-hmm. Liz, you've been an inspiration to me because I've been very busy at work, as has my husband, we have not done one darn thing on our taxes. We are way, oh, way behind. Okay. It's very unusual okay, nice. for us. So, yeah, this is the weekend. We, okay. we, we are, we're in a hole. Well, if you think reading the procrastination article is going to help you, I can just give you a copy of no, that. I don't but just remember. Self-esteem is not a problem with my husband. I suffer no, from t- some self-esteem issues, but he overrides them with his complete lack of self-esteem. More than makes up. Yes. All right. Okay. So as a couple, you're 100%. We're 100%. Yes, 100%. Esteem-wise. Julie, you got anything on your to-do list? I- I'm going to order that book, Say Nothing. Okay. That's it. All right. Yeah. Excellent. Good. Do it. All right. Uh... We're the Satellite Sisters. Hey, sisters, have a great week. You too, Leanne. You too, Leanne. And don't forget, call your Satellite Sister.